At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're delighted to be speaking with Ottawa entrepreneur Mila Olamogba. Mila is a mother, entrepreneur, and marketing executive who utilizes her lived experiences to highlight the importance of racial representation. She spent almost two decades in marketing, and she uses her skills to advocate for social and racial equity. She's driven by her passion to pour into her community and believes that every person shares the responsibility of creating a better world. Mila's desire to give back and support pediatric healthcare workers after his son's hospitalization led to her writing her first book, Dr. Santa and the Miracle Makers, Celebrating Our Healthcare Heroes. She's also launched Color Me Christmas, a one-stop shop for diverse and inclusive holiday products and events. Nicknamed the CEO of Christmas, Mila looks to spread holiday magic by ensuring diversity and inclusion is always at the forefront of her products. Many of these products are designed or made by her. However, she's also passionate about supporting local makers who also contribute to the platform. Mila, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. And I guess I should say season's greetings. Merry Christmas. Let's get the the season started. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Although my season starts November 1st, but you know. (laughs) Right. Okay. In my house, we couldn't even sing Christmas carols until until December was like officially underway. (laughs) We were very religious in that way. Okay. Uh, First question is the question we normally ask our entrepreneur guests. What is one thing that you hope that our listeners, who are also very busy entrepreneurs, will be able to take away from our conversation today? I think I would say the biggest takeaway that I want uh, people to get when they hear me talk is just do it. Do it anyways. Do it scared. Do it tired. Just do it anyway. Because someone somewhere is going to be inspired by you and someone somewhere needs um, your creativity and the ideas that you have. I love that. That's probably the best answer we've ever had. Do it scared. Do it tired. Do it, bro. Do it just anyway. do it. 
<laughs> we spend so much time doubting ourselves and talking ourselves out of things instead of talking ourselves into things, you know? So beautiful. All right. You've come around after a long career in marketing to sort of uh, building a business all around Christmas. And I'm wondering if Christmas comes but once a year. So what are the pros and cons about, about a focus like this? <laughs> well, I guess it depends who you're asking, because <laughs> you've got people like me who adore Christmas, and I am thrilled to be able to live Christmas 365 days a year. And then you also have people who absolutely hate Christmas. So they might see this as a completely ridiculous, frivolous um, foray into entrepreneurship. However, what I will say is Yes, seasonally, our busy season will be the fall into Christmas, but we have so many things that are coming that can be utilized 365 days a year, um, and my services can also be used all year long. So I don't know if there's any other parents out there like me who have children who want to listen to Jingle Bells in the middle of July. <laughs> Uh, or who walk around with their Santa plushies every single day. But I have come to learn that as a parent, Christmas never really ends. So <laughs> although I'm very aware that the bulk of my revenue is going to be made um, in uh, the fall and winter season, um, there are still a lot, a lot of things to keep me busy with Color Me Christmas and as well. Um, right. Um Tell us a little bit about about your story and your journey. Um, you're 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 now uh, 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 the queen of Christmas. You're now an author, um, but you've been working in marketing a long time. So tell us about how you got started in in, in business and and how your entrepreneurial uh, instincts started to activate. Well, great question. It's funny. I was talking to my brother last week, and he said. He's also an entrepreneur and he said, you know, this is all dad's fault. He put this in All us. dad's fault. <laughs> so my dad is an entrepreneur. He's been running his own business for 20 something years. Uh, no, more than that. Gosh, way more than that. But anyways, my dad is an entrepreneur. So I grew up in the household of an entrepreneur. I married an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so it's really all around me. I also have a lot of close girlfriends who are, you know, small business owners. But for me, my journey, I guess could say started at 13. At 13, I knew what I wanted to do with my life and it's never wavered. I didn't know what it was called at the time. So I asked my teacher, I want to be that person that represents companies. So she was like, you got to go into communications. So that's what I did. I went into communications. I did my undergrad in communications um, and then went into the working world, quickly realized that a bachelor's degree was not... <laughs> um gonna get me to where I wanted so uh I decided to go do my master's in England and while I was in England I noticed something really um glaring in that in their marketing they there's a lot of people of color in England especially in London a lot of black people a lot of Indian people um, it's a very, very multicultural city. And I noticed that all of the cosmetic advertising, especially with big brands that we have in North America, all the models are white. And I thought that was so odd to me because the imagery exists. Like Maybelline will do pictures in photography in, in North America with black and brown and Asian uh, models. So why would they not repurpose it in England? 
And that was my first um, sort of real indication about the disparity of race in um, in what we see, what consumers are being fed. And so I did a, my master's thesis was a cross-cultural analysis between the UK and North America and uh, race and how consumers identify race and, and how that changes their shopping habits. So what my research uncovered is that in North America, consumers are much more concerned about the race of the models and the race of um, in the imagery um, and basically the race that's being used to sell them a product. Whereas in the UK, they are more concerned with the nationality of the model. So being British is more important than being black in the UK. And they are more, consumers are more concerned with what is available for them at point of sale versus what's available for them um, in advertising. So I, I thought that was interesting and sort of, that was kind of my start at looking at race and, and consumer behavior. And then I came back home to Canada and I started working in marketing and my career uh, basically led me to sort of the same kind of position over and over again. And that that position was building where there was nothing. So every role that I've had in the last like 17 years has really been building marketing department, marketing and communication departments where there weren't any. So whether it was for um, a Canadian subsidiary of a large multinational company that didn't have a marketing department in Canada, or it was building marketing departments for startups. So I have an acute awareness of what it takes to grow a brand, what it takes to grow a business, um, and sort of the grittiness that that's involved in that. Um, along the way, I had three kids <laughs> during that time. And um, in December of 2022, things kind of took a bit of a dark turn. Um, we all got really sick, um, especially my infant son, who at the time was 10 weeks old. Um, he got sick with RSV and the flu. Um, and then we had to... Can you remind, Sorry, Amelia, can you remind us what RSV is? Yeah, so RSV is a form of bronchiolitis. So it's a viral infection, which means that there's no antibiotics or anything for it. It just has to go through your system. Um, and so I, I, I will I will not try to tell you what the acronym stands for, but it is uh, actually very common in young children, uh, especially at the start. It's the, the season for RSV is a little bit before the flu season. So um, hospitals are used to it. You just never kind of really hear about it unless your kid has it. Uh, it's highly contagious and it affects the uh, respiratory tract and it really attacks it with mucus. So you can imagine in an infant, their airways are so small um, that with RSV, it just uh, honestly can be a death sentence. So we rushed him to Chio and they took him in immediately. Within the first 24 hours, he was admitted to the ICU and then uh, within the first 48 hours, he was induced uh, into a coma, put on a intubated and put on a ventilator. Um, the day he was intubated, he um, coded. So they called a code blue. And we had to watch our 10 week old get resuscitated. 
Oh my God. So after that experience, I became obsessed with sitting at his bedside. Like I refused to leave because the first time I left the hospital to go home and shower was when he was admitted to the ICU. The second time I left to go get something to eat was when he coded. And so I was like, well, I can never leave because every time I leave, something bad happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So because of that, I spent countless hours at his bedside. I refused to leave to the point where there were days where the nurses would like beg me to just go outside and get some fresh air. Um, I'm giving you guys all this context just so you understand that although this horrible thing was happening, although I was watching my son fight for his life, I also had for the first time in at least 10 years, quiet um, and spare time. So hmm. the only thing that I had to do was pump breast milk for him. He was tube fed. So I would pump and give it to the nurses and I felt useful. But aside from that, I was really just sitting at his bedside doing nothing. And so because of that, because of that quiet, because of that slowing down, I had a lot of time to think and I had a lot of time to be creative. And Color Me Christmas was always a business that I wanted to start. I had, I've had i had the name for over five years. It was always sort of something I thought would be a passion project in my retirement. When my kids are older and gone, I would start Color Me Christmas. But we had just finished the weekend before we had all gotten sick, um, an event that I had held called the Black Santa Experience. And it was um, an event that allowed families in Ottawa to get photos, their Santa photos taken with a black Santa. CBC covered it extensively. And it was like such a wonderful weekend. We, I was on this high. I was so excited about what I was able to give to my community. And that Monday we fell sick. So I never even really had the time to kind of revel in, in that success. But all that to say, I was sitting at his bedside and I was thinking, hey, wouldn't it be nice if I sourced some Black Santa plushies for next year's um, ah. And that's how it started. I was sitting at his bedside and I was researching products. I was sourcing and it actually was a lot more successful than I expected. And as the days went on and as he, you know, was sort of, he wasn't out of danger because he was still intubated but he had started to stabilize um so i just my husband brought my laptop one day and that's how it started i registered the business on december 20th he was still in the icu at this point still intubated um and i just worked and i know that might sound really shocking to a lot of people that i worked while my son was in the icu but it was the only thing that kept me alive, honestly, was being able to take my mind off of watching my son fight for his mm -hmm, life. Mm -hmm. I, I think off. everyone can understand that. Sure. Yeah. And, and like and the constant beeping of the monitors is just something that I'll never be able to get out of my head. Um, I needed a distraction. And this was something Christmas brings me joy. We were in the hospital during the Christmas season. He was going to be spending his first Christmas uh, at the hospital. And so it was a way for me to still be able to get a little bit of joy. Um, and, you know, there is something joyful, and I've never talked about this, but there is something joyful about that 
that startup moment when you're thinking, and we could do this, and we could do this, and we could do that. Um, It's it's such an expansive moment. You're thinking about everything you've ever learned or known and everyone you know (laughs) and and how to bring all these things together in a new way. And and the beauty of it, too, is that it also allowed me to be able to talk about things other than my son's state. So, of course, you know, I had friends and family constantly checking in on me while I was at the hospital, and it allowed me to have something else to talk about than how many times he, you know, he had a um, a bradycardia event that day, because it would happen like 30, 40 times a day. And it's frightful. It, it's frightening, and it's difficult. And um, it allowed me to also just bring joy to the staff, because you know, I would come in festive clothing and I would wear fest, like I would drink out of festive cups and, <laughs> you know, and, and I, yeah. And so that, that's, that's how Color Me Christmas was born. Wow. And the book was also born out of that time because um, they used to, per- they would perform every th- about three hours chest physio on him to dislodge the mucus. And it was something that I could not watch. I found it to be really uh, grotesque and like the way they were just like shaking his body and, sure. you know, the beeping would go nonstop because his leads were moving and everything. So it became sort of like the time I would go on my break, the nurses and the physiotherapists, they knew they're like, okay, mom, it's physio time, time for you to go on your break. <laughs> So it was like our process, our system, you know, we had kind of created an ecosystem myself and the, and you know, the clinicians. And so that day I realized, oh my God, I did not get a gift for my daycare provider. And while I know that she would have understood if I hadn't gotten her a Christmas gift, she still is taking care of my children, my two older kids, and really holding our family through this time as well. So I ran to the closest home sense. And the first thing that I see when the doors swing open, it's like out of a movie, I swear. It's crazy how some things are meant to be. But the first thing that I see is a figurine of a black Santa dressed as a doctor. And I remember being like, who would possibly need this? (laughs) Except for someone in my exact situation. Like it was, and I remember thinking like, why is Santa a doctor? He already has a job. Like this is (laughs) not necessary, you know? And Unlike Santa Claus to be illogical. You know, (laughs) exactly. And I remember I took a picture of it and I sent it to my mom and I was like, what is this about? She was like, buy it, buy it. You know, it'll remind you. She got it. She got it. And now she's like, it'll remind you of this experience. And I'm like, mom, I'm not trying to immortalize my son's hospitalization. Thank you very much. No, I'm not buying it. And I left it. And I spent the next 24 hours thinking about it. It was it just, I could not get it out of my head. I swear, if I could, you could hear all the voice notes I left to different people that night being like, why is Santa a doctor? <laughs> and uh so the next day I went back and I bought two <laughs> and I gave one to the ICU as uh, a thank you and a oh, reminder of us and our family um 
because there was, there was, I know they're amazing to all their patients, but there definitely was like a connection that I feel like I can never forget. Um, and so I left one with them and I kept one for my son and that was it. And and I moved on. And as I was that night, I was leaving voice notes. My sister said, oh, you should write a kid's book about that. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, right. And that was it. And I <laughs> mentioned it to my mom in passing, like after he had gotten out of the hospital. And she was like, well, you should. <laughs> People, I'm not writing a kid's book right now. Like my son just got out of the hospital. Like I'm trying to wean him off of opioids. Like, it, no. And then a couple weeks later, my mom, she just says, so where are you at with the book? <laughs> Moms are the best. I know. And I was like, what? Okay. I guess I'm writing this book. And so I. Dr. Santa and the Miracle Makers. Yeah. And so I wrote. It's on sale book. now. <laughs> on sale now on all major platforms. Um, and my website. Uh, actually purchasing it off of our website, you can um, select to also have it signed by my son. My <laughs> We made a stamp. But is that the Color Me Christmas website? That's the Color Me Christmas website, yeah. And uh, anytime, or and you can also add a personalized message from Dr. Santa and all of those uh, extra proceeds are donated to the hospital. And so, yeah, so that that's how Dr. Santa and the Miracle Makers were born. It's kind of a love letter to... Um, all of the healthcare workers that not only saved his life, but really and truly saved mine. Um, and just the magic of the season and trying to find beauty and joy, even in times and places where you may not think it's possible. So it was a very cathartic and healing process for me. Some days were difficult. Some days I couldn't even look at the book. Some days I didn't want to. Um, but finishing it, I sobbed. Like when I found, when I received the, the first copy of it, it, um, yeah. So it all came full circle. So that is how Color Me Christmas and the Books Were Born. <laughs> that is Long the, story best, short. the best entrepreneurial origin story ever. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite right. the origin story for sure. And 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 before we ask you about other things that a year later your, your son is doing well he is thriving he's he just turned one um he's the smiliest sweetest boy uh so far we've not seen any you know repercussions from uh his hospitalization he does have asthma but you know that's probably just from me that he got that <laughs> um so yeah so no um uh Nothing, nothing, no residue from, from his hospitalization. He's doing great. Fabulous. So glad to hear that. But th- there's one other thing that you've sort of skipped over. You say, someone said I should write a book. So I did. Now, I know lots of entrepreneurs who are dying to write books and things, but but they can't find that time. They, they, they don't know where to start. How was that process for you? Listen, I don't want anyone, I don't want to hear anyone ever tell me I don't have the time. I have three kids under the age of five. <laughs> Okay. I found the time. So um, it's, you find the time for the things that are, that matter to you and the things that are important to you and the things that um, light you up really and truly. Um, For me, writing is something that comes easily to me. 
So it didn't actually take me that long to write the book itself. Uh, the first, you know, the first drafts, but the illustration process is long. It's a, it's a, it's a children's picture book. So there's, you know, different caveats to it. And obviously it's a children's picture book. So it's not a, you know, 200 page novel. Uh, <laughs> so I'm talking, you know, from, from that perspective. So if you want to write the novel, don't, don't say Mila said it, it'll be quick. <laughs> but I, I firmly believe that you make time for the things that, that you really want and the things that matter. So for me, um, this story obviously needed to come out of me. It needed to be told and it just came pouring out. So I'm, you know, blessed with that skill, but, um, anything is possible. And if it doesn't exist, create it because that, that idea, that creative spark was put into your head because you're the one that can bring it to life. Right. How do you go about finding uh, an illustrator, an artist to, to work with you on a kid's book? Well, I am lucky in that I have a girlfriend of mine who is a very talented illustrator. I also was very committed to this project coming together by women of color, and she is a woman of color. And so was my publishing consultant. So um, I reached out to my girlfriend and I said, hey, I've got this idea you want in. And she was like, I've never uh, illustrated a book before. And I was like, I've never written a book before. So <laughs> here we are together figuring it out. And we did. And we both leapt. And that's why that's another part of this experience that I just find so beautiful. Like we were both <clears throat> scared. We both had major imposter syndrome. We both had no freaking clue what we were doing, but we did it anyway. And we did it together and we held each other in this process. We gave each other grace when, you know, there'd be some days she'd be like, well, what are you, what are you envisioning for this page? And I'm like, I have no idea. I have zero creative juices left. Like, <laughs> just put something together and we can go from there, you know? And, and she would understand. And there'd be some days that I would be late in giving her pages because I just couldn't get the, it's a rhyming book. So I just, sometimes I was stuck on the rhymes or I was stuck on the, the message I was trying to um, convey and, we just both kind of held each other with that patience and that grace. And because of that, it just came together so beautifully. That's fabulous. And is this a self-published book or did you find a this publisher? This is a self-published book. Uh, I'm a very impatient person. I mean, <laughs> and I just felt, and I was very committed of having this story uh, come out for Christmas 2023. So I didn't want to wait for a publisher to decide that I'm worthy. Um, so I wanted to self-publish. And I was pretty sure that would be the answer because for anyone who's impatient or anyone who's an entrepreneur and wants to control their own work, self-publishing is, 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 is such a, a great option and a powerful, and you know, we have powerful e-commerce platforms now that enable you to, to, to sell and, and fulfill and promote exactly. so why not i mean i'm not gonna lie the little girl inside me always like has still has the dream that i will have a book published by scholastic canada uh, and, and that right. really is just the like nostalgia in me i used to love scholastic as a little girl um so that you know if if i if i'd had to pick a perfect solution or a perfect option i would have had it published by scholastic canada but I also scholastic. If you're listening, if you're listening. <laughs> sign up and quick. And more BIPOC <laughs> authors. I'm your gal. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, yeah, so I decided to self-publish because I knew at least I could control when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Are there other stories in you or is that your only book? Oh, no, there's already two in the pipeline. Um, (laughs) I was meant to write a kid's book during my maternity leave. It was just a different one. Like I had the idea and everything. I had the title. I knew exactly what it was going to be. But and it was like, this is what my this will be my maternity leave project. That's what I thought my one maternity leave project was going to be. Um, and so what I did was I ended Dr. Santa and the Miracle Makers in a way that the, the book I was originally going to write would be kind of version two, like a, the a sequel. sequel. Yeah. To it. And then, and then there's right. a third one about gratitude. Trilogies, trilogies do really well yeah. today. So, yeah. Very cool. And tell me just a little bit more about uh, about the platform, about Color Me Christmas. Um, what kinds of products are you selling there? What have you created? What else have you been able to uh, find from your sources and your network? So the ultimate goal for Color Me Christmas is that we work with local artisans in different countries to create products for us. Um, In the absence of being able to travel the world this year, (laughs) I started with countries in which I have family that could help source products for me. So that was one way I sourced products. So we have some products from uh, Benin. We have some products from Ghana. And then in my own sourcing, I was able to source some products from India. um, And... What else do we, what other countries do we have represented? And then certainly there was some um, products that I've sourced from, from China as well. Um, it's actually very hard to get plushies made locally. Fun fact. Uh, so my plushies are all sourced from China. So those uh, I designed and had them manufactured there. Um, and then we've got a bunch of other products. We have um, Santa sacks and nutcrackers and ornaments that I've ornaments that I designed. Um, we have sensory play kits for kids. So we have a lot. I also really like to collaborate with local small businesses who create products for me um, that are unique to my shop. Um, so they don't sell them anywhere else. So I have a few collaborations with other local small businesses. And of course I, I, um, as much as possible, try to work with female. Right. And so we can find all this at colormechristmas.com. And did you have, did you, did you get both spellings of color? Uh, <laughs> did you arrange for No. Both? And that was a, as a communications uh, person, I actually sat with that for a while, <laughs> but I decided to use the Canadian spelling. I just, I liked the better, like, I, I just liked visually how it looks more than the American spelling. Ah, okay. All right. And, and you, you meant, you've mentioned, you know, you have, you have plans, uh, you know, year two and three and four for, for Color Me Christmas. Can you give us any insight into, into those yeah, plans? Yeah, I have uh, pretty big plans, actually. Um, it's a bit daunting when I think of things as, a solopreneur right now and you know the resources that I have now however um well first and foremost I already have um a list of products that I have created that will be sourced for next Christmas um I couldn't I couldn't 
um, bring into inventory all of the products that I wanted to, quite frankly, for lack of funding. Um, I have built the inventory for this store solely on my personal savings and in a year that I was on maternity leave, so not earning, right? So I had to be very discerning on um, which items I brought into the shop for our first year launch. So number one is new products. Um, There's a lot of new products in the pipeline that are coming for next year. Number two is digital products. So I'm going to have an animation series, um, some more books that will probably just be in digital format, some more Christmas stories and Christmas books. Um, I'm also going to be expanding the Santa booking service. So um, if you're looking for a racialized Santa uh, for your next event, you can book them through Color Me Christmas. And this is something that I hope to be able to, uh, not I hope, that I will have in all major cities eventually. Um, and then consult- wow. That's really yeah, that's really because th- that's sort of how it all started, right? Like it started with photos with a black Santa. Um, Wait, tell us a little bit about that. So you developed the concept of of the, the black Santa Claus experience. Yeah, so it started because you know, okay, so everyone who knows me knows I adore Christmas. So naturally, you know, when I have my first child and it's their first Christmas, everyone's expecting me to go take Santa photos. And I was like, no, I'm not taking my kid to take Santa photos until there's a black Santa that they can take photos with. And that's sort of where I left it. And then we moved to Ottawa from Toronto. And um, I was searching. So now it's now it's uh, her second Christmas and I'm searching and can't find anything. And at that time, also, I had just given birth to my second child. And so it was just not happening. Fast forward, now we're COVID, 2020. And Santa photos are now being done socially distanced. So I thought, okay, I will take my kids for one of these just for memory's sake, like for us to have a socially distanced photo with Santa with masks on so I can explain to them one day what was going on in the world. (laughs) And I invited my dad to come with us. So grandpa, me, my husband, and the two kids were off to Carlingwood Mall by the way, they have the best set up there, uh, Carlingwood Mall for Santa photos. And we're standing in line and I say to my dad, hey, dad, what if I just get you a Santa suit? We ask Santa over there to shove over and we stick you in the photo with the kids instead. And, in, and he, wow, and he chuckled, right? He was like, oh, yeah, if only. And right behind us was an interracial family, black mom, white dad, mixed child. And the mom interjects, I would pay money for that. <laughs> like, the voice of God like, talking to you. Oh, okay. There are other people who think like me out there. So the following year, I so now we're 2021, I put it out on my social media. I was like, hey, if I get a black Santa, who's in for photos? And a lot of people just started messaging me. I want it, I want it, I want it. So that's what we did. It started off with me just wanting my kids to have a picture with a black Santa. And the first year we did it was um, we ran the Santa booth at a market. And then the second year we did it, um, which was last year, 2022, we partnered with a black owned photo studio and did it at their studio. 
and um, CBC, I forget how CBC got wind of it. Um, I think it was a girlfriend of mine who pitched it for me, actually. Um, and so CBC reached out. They loved the idea. They ended up doing a piece on the six o'clock news. They did a radio interview and a web um, story on it. And so uh, it got a lot of attention from CBC. And it was a really life-changing experience for me because I had originally started it with thinking this is for black families. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. We had white families come. We had families of adopted children, which I had never considered. We actually had a lot of adopted families come and the way they were so grateful for having something that they could share with their children that was that they could see themselves reflected in it really changed my perspective on things and like i said that was right that happened the saturday sunday and on the mondays when we all fell sick so it was right on the heels of our photo oh experience that we then like moved into that sort of hospitalization and and so all in December, Black Santa brewed heavily in my mind. Um, and so the, so that's how the photo experience started. And this year I've like injected steroids into it. <laughs> this year the event is going to be massive. And this year the event is, um, is, is being used as a fundraiser for the hospital, for CHEO. Because one of the things that I'm committed to with Color Me Christmas is that it is a social enterprise and that we donate proceeds um, to children's um, hospitals. Uh, we're starting with Chio because that's who saved my son's life. But I hope to be at a point uh, one day where we can donate to all pediatric hospitals in Canada. Um, so this year, it's the experience is changing. It's called Brunch with Santa. And... Uh, it is at a venue downtown Ottawa. We're going to have photos with Santa. We're going to have special guests. Um, the Grinch is coming. The Chio Bear is coming. We have, um, we're also using it as an opportunity to showcase uh, local BIPOC authors. So we're sort of using it as a, you know, official launch for Dr. Santa and the Miracle Makers, but we're also going to have some other BIPOC authors there showcasing their books. So we're going to have story time with Santa. We have like a soft play zone for the kids, food, and just like, you know, general merriment. Um, so yeah. Um, wow. You started your own citywide annual tradition. Yes, and it's just going to grow from here and it's going to also go into all major cities in Canada. If we can do a brunch with Santa everywhere across Canada every year, then it would, the proceeds from that event would go to the local children's hospital. Yeah, that's fabulous. And it's totally part of my theory was that, which is that if we can encourage more entrepreneurs to do their thing and, and, and to, you know, stay up late and work nights and, and, and do these, these side hustles, that they can change the world. And that's exactly what you're doing. That's a wonderful thing to hear about. Honestly, and, and for me, it's like, yes, entrepreneurs, you absolutely have what it takes to change the world. But more importantly, I want our kids to know that. 
And it's so important for me that especially my daughters are watching, that my daughters see this because, you know, it's funny, some of the merchandise that's that's being sold for Brunch with Santa, that's going to be sold at the event as also part of the fundraiser, it, it, it says you're a change maker on them so that these are ornaments and stickers that can go home with the kids and they know that they can play a part in making their community better. And I think what scares a lot of people is the concept that it has to be this major thing that they do. And it's not, it's like one small little, if everybody just did one small thing to make their community better once a year, like the world would be such a better place to live in. And you can do it in ways that share your passions, that it doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to be a big fundraising event for a hospital. You could go make dinner for your elderly um, neighbor that lives alone, you know? And I, I think people forget that acts of kindness and acts of servitude for the greater good need to be these colossal things. You know what? I can tell you have a background in marketing because you're able to sum up these incredible concepts so quickly and engage anybody with your story. And uh, I, I, I've, I've come to a recent realization that, you know, just that ability to communicate is really what separates great entrepreneurs from, you know, so-so entrepreneurs, unless they go out and, and make a point of finding that talent and putting it on their team. Um, but but you have this gift. You, 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 you articulate what you're doing so well and you get me very excited about it. And boy, I want all this stuff to work out. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Honestly, I'm, I'm just... I'm also really passionate about this and I just truly believe to my core that we all play a part in changing the world and we all play a part in making the world better for our kids. And that if you lead with love, that's the only thing that matters. Cause if you can sleep well at night and you know, you've done your best, then nothing else matters. Like I'm sure I'm the villain in a lot of people's stories, but I sleep well knowing that everything I do is from a place of love and everything I do is from a place of uh, community and wanting everybody to feel seen, heard, and welcomed. So um, that's why I speak so passionately about it because it, it really matters to me and it's what makes I'm haunted by what you just said. I'm sure I'm a villain in some people's stories. There's a heck of a kid's book in that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, communication matters, right? So sometimes there's a lot of miscommunications that happen and people assume something of you that isn't true. And I've, I've, I have found actually stepping into entrepreneurship that that is happening a lot more, um, that people will, I think that, I think people who are stuck in a cycle of things that don't make them happy and that don't fulfill them resent you when you're doing something that fulfills you and makes you happy. And so I've noticed that ever since I've really stepped into this um, space, this entrepreneurial space that I've lost a lot of friends. I'm so sorry to hear that and because it should be okay. an, an, an example. You're showing what people can do when their passion and their energies, you know, come together. That's what I had thought and hoped too, but I'm re I realized that sometimes uh, there's a saying that says like sometimes your light irritates someone else's demons, and so I know it's not about me, 
right? And so if, if you're stuck in a job that you hate, in a marriage that you hate, in, you know, the, the mundane of everyday life, and you see someone else taking a risk and being happy and joyful about it, it's going to irritate you. I prefer to and think so, of that. I prefer to think of that yeah. as it's the spark that might just take a while <laughs> to fire, but, but maybe it's just, a, it, it, maybe it can be, you know, seeing other people do it and seeing that taking a risk, making a change, stepping forward, offering yourself to the wind, you know, the good things can come of that. And the more people who, who come around to that yeah. way of thinking, and it's a tough way of thinking. It's, it's, it, it's tough thinking that, hey, you're holding yourself back. And so it can be very liberating to think, well, maybe I'll just take this one tiny step and see what happens. And listen, like I am like, that was me. 12 months ago, that was me. I was in a job that made me unhappy. I was only concerned with titles and salary. And it was like, you know, the more I can ascend the corporate ladder, the better. And I got it all. I got my title. I got my six-figure salary. And I was burnt out and miserable and just felt like my soul was being sucked out of me. And there's something that fundamentally changes your psyche when you watch your child fight for their life. And in that, in those moments, I realized everything I love can be taken away from me in the snap of a finger. I have no more time to waste. There is no more time to waste building other people's dreams and leaving mine to just fly in the wind. And so I think I, like, I, I know that I have fundamentally changed as a person and the way that I, I look at life, the way that I look at um, the world is very different. And so I think that that evolution in my spirit just, you know, not everyone can come along for the ride when you've changed. And that's okay. There are people in your life that are for a season and for a reason. And, you know, this is the season where I step into myself and who I'm really meant to be and what I'm really meant to um, bring into the world. And it's not easy. Like this is hard and this is scary. And this is, you know, sharing yourself with the world and, and putting yourself out there is very daunting. Like I, like I said earlier, I, I emptied my savings for this, but I didn't think twice about it because this is, means so much to me. And, and you're right. There, there, there are no guarantees, but on the other hand, uh, I heard a great saying once, failure is never fatal. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I get it. I'm in a situation where I'm privileged, where, whereby, you know, my husband makes uh, a good salary. So if this completely flops, like we're okay, we're not on the street, but it, you know, every time I saw those numbers go lower in my savings account, the anxiety definitely got higher and higher, but I just, I felt like this calling was bigger than me and, and there just was no turning back. I couldn't go back to the life. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's, it's tough to go back. Thank you so much for telling this story, sharing this, this good news Christmas story with us. Um, I, I hope you have a great season. Um, and you certainly explained 
uh, given us some of the context around what you said very early on when you said, do it scared, do it tired, do it anyway. You've, you've been there and, and back. So your, your, your journey has been uh, really inspiring. Do you have, Mila, do you have one more piece of advice to offer our entrepreneurs before we sign off? Yes, I would say the two things that will keep you going um, in those dark moments are community, like really the people that you trust and that love you and that want to see you win, like keep those people close because those days that you want to just give up and throw in the towel, they're the ones that are going to lift you up and tell you that they believe in you and that they believe in your dreams. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to make those phone calls to my husband, to my girlfriends, that I was crying, that I was done. And they were like, you need to keep going. This is important. So that's number one. And number two, I would say collaboration. Find other businesses that you can collaborate with because the magic that you can create when you find other businesses that, um, you know, are in sync with your values and uh, what you do and what you offer, what you come together and create is so beautiful and so magical. Um, and then you get to uplift. Can you give me a quick example of a collaboration you've done team. that might not have been, you know, obvious to someone else? Yeah. Uh, a girlfriend of mine runs a pizza company and every year she does an annual fundraiser for a different cause. Uh, this year I asked her if we could fundraise for the children's hospital and she said yes. And so we planned this amazing uh, women's night event fundraiser and we wow. raised $1,800 for the hospital. So, you know, and, and again, like I know there's people raising $100,000 for the hospital. It hey, this is year one. <laughs> you know, it's just, this is year one. And this is about yeah. like community coming together for a greater cause. And, and then from that event, um, someone who heard me speak at the event, she just started her own organization supporting families with children in the NICU. And when I saw that, I, I messaged her and I said, hey, this is so amazing, blah, blah, blah. And, and she responded. She said, if I'm being honest, you inspired me to do this. And after hearing you speak at that event, I just knew I had to, to act too. And I was just like, well, okay, I'm a puddle now of emotions. The Christmas puddle. Right but <laughs> Christmas puddle. But it just goes to show you, like, we, you know, one collaboration, we created a great event, and then look at another community initiative coming out from that. And that's just of the things we know. We don't know how everybody else stepped out into the world after that event. Well, this has definitely been the best Christmas episode we've ever done. <laughs> Thank you so much. She's the CEO of Christmas at Color Me Christmas, and I'm wishing you all the best for this holiday season, and hey, for all the Christmases yet to come. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Great speaking with you. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.